Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's another edition of the Georgia Show, and it's South Carolina week. We got to check in on these banged up dogs. What's going on on the injury front? And where's all the juice for this game? Is there a real buzz for the dogs' SEC opener? We'll also check in on some recruiting news and notes towards the end of the show. It's time for the Georgia Show. Hunker down, y'all. Better never rest. I'm Wes Blankenship, Palmer Toms joining me. That was uh, Granville, local Athens band out of Albany, bringing us in. Appreciate them uh, letting us use their tunes and hope y'all check them out as well. All right, Palmer, we got some things to check out as we start the show here with our prize picks. We do this every Wednesday, and the advantage for you listening or watching is that if you sign up with prize picks and follow the link with the code DOGS, they will match up to your first $100 that you contribute to make your picks. What is prize picks? Well, it is a skill-based fantasy game, and what you do is you pick overs and unders on what you think different players will do uh, throughout this college football weekend. Nothing from the dogs on here, Palmer. We're going to have to go up the chain, go up the flagpole, and tell prize picks to start getting the dogs on here. We're going to make that right. This week, well, hey, let's focus I mean, on some I, things I that say. we still feel pretty comfortable with. So I'll pull up prize picks here, and we will uh, see what we're working with. And you got I will a, say, a lot as, of this, options. as this schedule so, heats up, we're probably going to get more Georgia stuff. I would, I would hope so. Let me make sure I'm picking the right tab here. All right. How have we how have we done so far on these? I know we've 
done it twice. I didn't think see. our first one went all that well. I don't think we it had, did we had, either. We, we had, I think we had an over on a Florida player and rushing, and I don't think that they did all too well against Utah there. Last week, I don't, I don't know how we did We that. won 30 bucks last week. Let's go! We, we took that promo for Dak that he'd have more than half a passing yard. And look, I said, barring a disaster, one. you know, he'll get it. But then if they'd done that on Aaron Rodgers, well, we'll tell you about that too. They have a, uh, a reboot policy now at prize picks where if you pick a guy that goes over and he gets hurt in the first half and doesn't come back in the second half, it's like, in, it's like insured, right? They don't penalize you for it. Javon Bullard style. Yeah. Where, where he got hurt in the first half, didn't come back in the second, but yeah, it's a, uh, I think it's like a, it's a refund or I think it's essentially what it does is it takes, you know, this one, look, we've got four players there. Essentially it makes it a three man thing. So um, if, if Dak had not played, for example, or gotten hurt in the, in the first half of that one, um, which he didn't, and he went over his half a yard. Uh, yeah. But we would have gotten credit there. Boy, did they. I mean, my gosh. <laughs> uh, and then the other way it works, though, too, is if you pick the under on one of these dudes and you get the reboot, if they're eligible for it, then you still win. So let's win, go. Win, 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 lose. All right. So let's go with you wanted to start with passing yards, right? For both. Yeah. Nicks. Passing touchdowns. Passing touchdowns. All right, let's float yeah. on over to that. Yeah, I've, I've got four that I picked this week that I'm liking. Over on uh, two and a half passing touchdowns for Bo Nix. He's got, I think, six on the season um, or five. And, and I mean, they're, they're playing Hawaii. That's a team that, you know, Vanderbilt beat. I like, I like Oregon's chances to put up some points there. Bo Nix. He's a dark horse for the Heisman. He's looking really good, comfortable in that offense. Um, yeah. I like that one. I, I don't think you can go wrong with that. All right, what else did we have? We had – you had rushing, rushing touchdowns. touchdowns. Yep. I like Woody Marks there. He has been uh, off to a strong start. Three touchdowns in the first two games. That Mississippi State team. Look, a lot of people are going to look at Mississippi State and, and a rushing thing and say, well, they don't run the ball different under Zach Arnett. They're now like 119th in the country in passing, uh, and, and they are running the ball. They're physical, Woody Marks, talented player, over half a touchdown. Okay, Mississippi State playing against LSU there. All right, we also had receiving touchdowns well, on a this, guy that we feel your, like is due. Is your Collins Hill boy. Yeah, I got to get my Collins Hill Eagle in here. Travis Hunter, I think he's due. He doesn't have a receiving touchdown yet. Um according to our calculations, unless we overlook something. But he is a big threat in the passing game just as much as he is defensively. I feel like he's due, taking on Colorado State. I think Colorado is going to score a lot of points in that one. So we'll go more than half a receiving touchdown for Travis Hunter. And then to wrap up, do we want to do a pass interception? We want to do uh I'm, passing yards? Someone, someone that we I've think is going to go under. Let's, let's pick someone yeah. that's going to bust. So receiving yards um, in that Tennessee Florida game, seven o'clock, ESPN. Um, you got Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler on the call there, down at the Swamp. 
that's look, there's three guys right there and, and they're projecting a lot for all three of those guys. I'm going under on Brew McCoy. He's got 72 receiving yards on the season, two games. Uh, don't think that he's going to hit that 52 and a half number that we've got there under Brew McCoy. Less. All right. So we can either go really big here and do the power play and get four out of four, or we can go with the flex play and just hit three out of four. Uh, if we get all four correct, it's a five time bonus. Get three correct, it's a one and a half, or. A 10 times bonus if we go power play. How confident are you feeling here, Palmer? Mm, it's it, what, what I saw this week is is that quote-unquote weak week is the one where you start to see some upsets. I think I think we'd take the safe play and we'd go with the flex instead of the power. All right, I'm with you. So we got $20 in. We'll win 100 bucks, And you can do this too. We'll have a link in the show. Go to Prize Picks, Get their app. And use that code DOGS. We got a special link for the dogs. They will match up to your first $100 that you enter. So you're playing with free money. So let's place that thing in and see how we do. All right. And with that, we'll get to some real business here. So Palmer, uh, wondering about the dogs this week, hearing a lot about Lad McConkie, or actually not hearing much at all, but we're hearing a lot of questions from our fans and subscribers over at the Dogs HQ message board. To me, I... I feel like this is a coin flip, whether or not he's going to go week to week. Yeah, I mean, it, it truly is a day-to-day, week-to-week thing with Ladd because you're looking at a guy that, you know, again, and we've mentioned it several times, this is a very, very delicate situation. And, you know, one day he's going to feel good, the next day he's not going to feel good. And, you know, it, it like you said, it's a coin flip there. Um, and so, you know – as of Wednesday, has has he been working out at practice? Kirby, you know, is not given a ton of information there. I, I at, at this point, I am of the belief that until we see Lab McConkey out on the field, probably don't expect him to play. But you know, he really has been going through workouts, and they are doing everything to get him back. It's not a situation where he's off to the you know sitting off to the side doing nothing and and resting. He's working out, and so you know, I, I really, I'm like you, Wes. I have no clue if he's going to play on Saturday. Um, we'll, we will have a much better idea in those pregame warmups. He, last week, he showed up and um, was not dressed out. Was in a you know jersey and and sweatpants, um, and so you had an idea that he was not going to give it a go then. So, do I think he plays? My gut says no. Um, my gut also says no on Javon Bullard because I think that's where we're going to go here next. Yeah, and explain again, Bullard had the uh, ankle against UT Martin, and that, you know, the early indication was that uh, it didn't sound too serious, but maybe just serious enough to keep him out for one to two weeks, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, just looking at him after the injury occurred, uh, you saw, you know, I, I was sitting there next to Jake and said, well, Jake, he's – He's talking to um, Ron Corson over there. That's never a good sign. And, you know, the defense was in a huddle and he was doing some backpedaling off to the side by himself. And so the fact that he was able to backpedal and the fact that he was able to work on it and and it wasn't a situation where he couldn't put weight on it, he was putting weight on it. Um, you know, he was – it was looking like they were testing it to see if he could go back in. They decided they want to be a little bit precautionary and, and you know, rightfully so in a game that they end up winning 40 – eight to three uh, or or 45 to three, Um, you know, and and so I get that. Um, I think that they're probably going to be precautionary here too. 
Um, and if if there's any question, he's probably not a go because they feel confident in uh, David Daniel Sissivan. But, you know, I very much would not be surprised if Javon was out there warming up during during warmups. And, and, you know, this is a decision that they make after that, to, you know, because like like Lad's situation, it's, you know, an ankle can feel great one day and, and you know, one sudden movement and it doesn't feel great. Um, you know, if he's taped it up, you know, is he the same player? Probably not. He's, you know, he's a very physical guy. Uh, you know, ball hawk flies all over the field. But, um, you know, if, if you can get Javon Bullard out there in any capacity, I think that you want that. Again, my gut says that he does not play. I think that they're going to give him some time, not try to rush him back. Um, and, and look, we may not see him until until Auburn because, you know, much like those first two games and, and Ladden, the precautionary precaution that they took with him and, and Dejan too, um, you know, next week against UAB, I don't think that they're going to need to push it to the limit anymore uh, than they might this week. So my gut says no on both those guys, but I mentioned Dejan Edwards. I do think that he's going to give it a go. Yeah, that's exciting for dogs fans. We'll put a pin in that. Looking back to last week with Dan Jackson, uh, Sisavon coming in, there, there's different upsides for both of those guys. I feel like obviously the experience level for Dan Jackson is through the roof, but Sisavon's got the athletic uh, jump on Dan Jackson. That's no slight to Dan, just a better athlete. So when you watch those two guys play, what were some of the highs and lows you saw from their game against UT Martin? Yeah. Um, Ball State. Um, Ball State. David Daniel did not play against UT Martin because he was nursing a little bit of a um, turf toe injury. Um, you know, I, like you said, I think with Dan, you get experience. You know, you feel very comfortable in what you're going to get. I mean, remember, this is a guy that was starting for Georgia, um, you know, during that 2021 season with with Christopher Smith out. Um, started started at the start of last season opposite of Smith and had an interception against South Carolina last year. Um, I believe that was the first of his career. Um, and, and so, you know, I think with Dan, he's, he's a guy that if he's not starting, he's going to be out there on the field in, in the same way that David Daniels going to be out there on the field. Um, you know, David is a guy that has played as Kirby said in, in the dime and the nickel and the very different, uh, you know, situations. I, I think that both those guys will play. I think that David Daniel being the physical um, presence. He calls himself the hitman, um, and and he's got an opportunity to fill in for a guy that's got a bit of a reputation as a hitman there um, in Javon Bullard. So, I think it's going to be David Daniel next to uh, Malachi Starks, and I. But I do think that you will see Dan Jackson out there a lot. And look, you may have a better chance. You you may be seeing more of Dan Jackson than you would normally because you know everybody gets bumped up a notch there, especially when you're talking about you know dime defense, nickel defense. Um, where those extra DBs are on the field, losing a guy like Bullard, you know, w- when you would have David Daniel out there, when you would have Dan Jackson out there, who, who's next up? Well, you know, I look at a Janelle Aguero, um, you know, as somebody that could potentially come in there. Kyron Jones is somebody that has clearly showed out, uh, you know, with that pick six um, and, and is earning some minutes there at star. Um, but Janelle Aguero would probably be the one that if you're looking at, Georgia and their, their six DBs, or or you throw out another uh, another corner because they've got you know three four guys that they feel really com- maybe even more than that they feel really comfortable in there. Um, so you could end up going with an extra corner on the field for those situations. 
this Georgia secondary is just so freaking deep. It is a, an embarrassment deep. of riches, yeah. and the dogs will figure it out one way or another. Back to Dejan Edwards, you, you, I almost feel like Georgia's coaches, uh, even though they won't admit it behind the podium, Kirby Smart knows that he had a luxury with these two games to start the season, and he could afford to let Dejan Edwards rest up. I don't know if that's the case for uh, Lad McConkie or not, but getting Dejan back, uh, letting Mustard spin back there, that is a much-needed addition to this backfield. We spoke with Rusty and Jake Rowe on the Sunday show just about how badly Georgia's running backs need to find a way to find that dog in them and make people miss and get through these holes instead of you know, getting bottled up and, and not shaking many tackles. Yeah, and I, you know, I think with the nature of his injury there and being an MCL, you know, where that affects your lateral movement, you may not see that shiftiness out of Dejan, um, but he's probably not a guy that I consider to be all too shifty in the first place. He's, you know, he, he's got that downhill runner uh, to him where he, he's very comfortable. He's maybe not going to seek out contact, but he is very comfortable uh, getting north and south as opposed to, you know, moving laterally there. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right that they understood the luxury that they had in those first two games. And, you know, Dejan, look, Dejan's Kendall, Kendall, uh, Milton played in the first two games. He his injury happened very early in fall camp relative to when Dajan's happened. And so Dajan was going to take a little bit longer. Uh, Kendall was going to be ahead of him uh, in, in terms of the return time. Kendall was not quite 100 percent. Kirby said that he got closer and closer. Dajan is probably not quite 100 percent, but they have said, you know, hey, it's about getting him from 80 to 90 and 90 to 95, 95 to 100. Um, so, you know, it, where is he now? There's, there's no way of knowing unless we're talking to Dejan. Um, but I do think that he's going to see the field in, in probably in a very similar way to what Kendall did the last two weeks. Mountain Jake Roos, welcome in. Just, uh, running through these dogs injuries here and there aren't few of them. There are, there, there are quite a few, uh, which area for you are you looking at for Georgia that might, you know, this injury list, uh, might impact them the most against South Carolina? I I think it's probably got to be running back for sure. Um, to me, that's an area where South Carolina is going to be very physical and they just, they just need bodies, man. Um, so getting Dejan back, you hope that, you know, he's full go, ready to go. We've heard nothing to the contrary, so I'm not suggesting he won't be, but, uh, you know, you hope that all is well. Um, Kendall Milton's obviously been playing banged up, so – um, you know, maybe the Dylan Bell wrinkle is in there now as well. So uh, you hope that that's the case and perhaps you sustain there. But, you know, ultimately, I, I think that Georgia, even with injuries, has enough in terms of depth and, and talent to uh, to pull it out against South Carolina. Um, you know, I, I think the, the Gamecocks are not going to be able to match them player for player uh, at the end of the day. So, you know, it, it, it's a bummer, um, you know, to have some of these guys out. Dylan Brooks mentioned, uh, mentioned Bullard, um, you know, and I think that that's a good point too. Uh, you know, Rattler's probably going to challenge the deep field down there, but, um, you know, we'll see um, how that goes. Uh, you know, Georgia, you, he does have crazy arm talent. The issue is going to be keeping him upright for him to be able to use that arm talent. And I think Georgia's going to be pretty successful and sit in the house in a lot of these cases on Saturday. Yeah, he's going to have to get that thing quicker, get that thing out quicker than he has uh, at this point in the year. And it's no fault of his own, man. That offensive line is 
looking pretty gnarly. Matthew C., welcome back. How many touches will Bell get lined up behind the quarterback in this game? If it's not behind the quarterback, I think it could be right beside him in the shotgun snaps. I wouldn't be surprised to see anywhere from five to six. Uh, Rusty's pointed out that you know maybe they put that one play on tape just to make South Carolina think twice about it, and that gives you a whole new branch of offensive plays to work with. You can fool them again. You can actually run it at them. And with the, uh, I, I don't want to call it full-on tentativeness. I just, it's a lack of effectiveness from Georgia's running backs. He was the most effective runner uh, against Ball State. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a handful, maybe not RB1 or anything, but I think and, he'll be out there. And here's what I do think you have to keep in mind with that is, you know, when you line him up there, you can throw it to him as well. He is a wide receiver after all. And so, you know, that that's an element of this offense that, I think that you, they might have, like, like Rusty said, you know, shown that one play, uh, you know, him running out of the backfield. I, he had two carries, um, or maybe I think it was three, three for twenty-eight or something. Um, but you know, you you show the fact that that hey, he lines up here, he's going to run the ball to get them thinking, okay, he's lined up there, they're going to run it, and then you trick him with a little bit of a pass play there. So, you know, he's perfectly capable of catching the ball. We've seen that with him at wide receiver, and I think that, that, um, that that's something that could be coming for Georgia here. The wild dog for Bell. Yeah, you don't have to worry about a bad snap. He'll snag it. Um, all right, and Christopher Black, appreciate you commenting here. Why hasn't the line been getting any push? Heard the same Heard the first game, it was because Tennessee Martin sold out. Did Ball State sell out too? Yes. Yeah, I think they both did. And I think teams are going to sell out all year. But yeah. what I don't expect is that Georgia will be as slow to the draw every game this year. It's the yeah. same thing we saw last year, guys. And we saw this in multiple games where Georgia's offensive line just kind of clocked in and clocked out. And I don't know if they'll turn it on against South Carolina. That would be a good time to do it. But I fully expect uh, that they'll figure it out. I mean, this group is too talented. If you're still doubting Stacey Searles, then you were asleep all of last season. He found ways to motivate these guys when they needed to be. And they finished up as the best offensive line in the country, even if they didn't win the award for it. So they'll figure it out. I don't know why. I mean, the only thing I can do is connect the dots to last year. It was games that Georgia thought they could probably walk in there and win. And uh, Missouri showed you that you can't do that. And that was their wake-up call. So hopefully Georgia doesn't need a wake-up call like that this year. I, I do think that South Carolina is going to load the box on them again. Um, you know, talking to Wes Mitchell from uh, Gamecock Central over there, I'll have a video out with him tomorrow morning. Um, but he, he made mention of, you know, look, this is a South Carolina team that likes to play a lot of one high safety looks and, and, you know, bring an extra man into the box. That's certainly something that's been successful against Georgia so far this season. And, you know, if you're South Carolina and that's what you like to do anyway, I don't know why you would mix it up this week. So, uh, but you know, that being said, I do expect to see a much better all around showing from Georgia, the, the same kind of jump that we saw from week one to week two with the offense opening it up a little bit more, the start of SEC play will bring that along too.
And it makes a lot of sense for me for South Carolina to do that because I feel like they do have some good talent in the trenches. So they're going to probably load that up. I mean, Alex Huntley uh, up front is a guy who's played a lot. Tonka Hemingway, who's uh, talking about stadium atmosphere. Uh, you know, I think that uh, he's a guy who will get involved early and often. So, you know, they've done pretty well uh, at that position just in general. Um, they've had some good players there. Zach Pickens comes to mind recently, um, you know, uh, Rick Sandage was a guy who played for him for a couple of years as well and, and did real well. Jordan Birch. Jordan obviously, Birch. Obviously he transferred, but. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, that to me, I won't surprise me to see them take that approach again. Um, you know, and they're probably comfortable with Georgia challenging downfield as well, because Jalen Kilgore has been a real, a really great addition for uh, South Carolina early on in this year. So yeah, he's looking like a, a freshman All-American if two games or any, any uh, sample size. And they feel good about Nick, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, Imanwari, I think. Um, they, they feel they feel good about him there too. Um, you know, in terms of a, a bigger defensive back, somebody that could potentially try to line up with with a Brock Bowers per se. Um, he's a little bit banged up, but he's another safety that I think that they feel confident in. And look, the, the other reason it makes sense if you're South Carolina and why it made sense for Ball State and UT Martin. You're playing against an inexperienced quarterback. Put the pressure on him to make the plays as opposed to letting Georgia, you know, get let him get comfortable by Georgia, by moving the ball downfield with, with check downs and, and, you know, handing the ball off to some running backs behind, a, you know, what is a strong offensive line. It makes sense to put the pressure on him and say, look, if you're going to beat us, you know, you inexperienced quarterback, you, you got to make the plays with your arm. Last one here before we move on. Christopher Black wants to know who Ernest Green's backup is. He did struggle mightily against Ball State. Well, it would be Austin Blask. Yeah, but that's what I thought. But Blasky's right banged up, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think right now you would look at Monroe Freeling there. Um, you know, Chad Lindbergh is is another guy. Well, what um, the, I mean, what are the chances if you really had to do it that you bump Amarius over to left and let a guy like Freeling come in and hold down right? I mean, I don't know that that would be the case, but I think you also would maybe consider, um, you know, Xavier Truss is somebody that's gotten tackle reps, and you know they they clearly feel comfortable with the you know backups at guard in in Dylan Fairchild and Micah Morris and and Jared Wilson, um, those three guys getting a lot of reps. So you know, tackle is certain. Look, George is replacing two NFL caliber starting tackles. Um, Amarius Mims is an NFL starting you know, starting NFL caliber starting tackle this year. Uh, and Ernest Green very well could be down the road. Monroe Freeling could be down on the road. But those are two guys, you know, in, in Green and uh, Freeling. And, and I'd throw Blasky in there too. Those guys did not have a ton of reps. They did not have the experience that Amarius Mims did in coming in to replace, uh, you know, Broderick Jones and, and Warren McClendon. So it's not all too surprising to see them having some growing pains. I think that, again, Ernest is going to continue to grow. Um, but, yes, in terms of his backup, it's a little bit shaky there with Austin Blasky uh, battling a, a knee injury right now. Yeah, getting thin. I wouldn't rule anything out, though, as far as shuffling. I mean, they've been known to uh, cross-train guys and put them where they need to put them. So we'll see how thin this, thing's, uh, this thing gets. Guys, I'm wondering about – the juice for this game, all right? This is the SEC opener. And we uh, talked about Tonka Hemingway there for a moment, how 
Kirby Smart is just a, a master motivator, and he's really drawing this bulletin board material up out of nowhere. And we heard leading up to the season that he didn't really want to embrace the fact that he told the team they'd be 7-5. and five. If he didn't do that, he's fully on display this time because Tonka Hemingway said nothing about Sanford Stadium being a weak atmosphere, but now Kirby's got all 92,000 fans that will be in attendance believing it. So here's the context that goes with that. Kirby was asked, you know, hey, Tonka Hemingway was at, well, Tonka Hemingway was asked at Media Days what the, you know, most crazy, loud environments that he's played in. Well, first of all, he's a defensive lineman. It's not going to be that loud when he's on the field, um, you know, in, in, on the road at least. So, you know, he, he mentions Kyle Field at Texas A&M, Neyland Stadium at Tennessee, and does not mention Sanford. He didn't say anything that it, you know, he didn't pull an Eric Ainge and say, oh, it's it's not that loud. I don't remember it being, you know, that tough of an, of an environment to play in. He just didn't mention them at all. And so, you know, we had somebody ask this week, you know, hey, do y'all use that? Do you use that as motivation for the fans, Kirby? You know, do you do you use that as something to get them going that, you know, hey, a South Carolina player just neglected to mention y'all at all? And Kirby then said, well, hey, it sounds like Tonka's provided a little bit of bulletin board material, maybe not for the players, but for the fans. And so uh, that's certainly been something that Georgia fans have run with. And like they have in the past, Arkansas 2021 is a game that comes to mind, that noon kick. Tennessee, obviously, last year. They've responded to challenges in the past. And, um, you know, if they take this as a challenge from Tonka Hemingway, which, you know, it sounds like that they have, at least social media has, I expect a, a really good environment. When you look at last year, Kirby did send the tweet out before the Tennessee game, and that was fine. And I think, you know, for that ball game, I don't think Kirby really needed to ask because Georgia fans had already proven it against Arkansas. They're going to show up for big opponents like that. But what really set it off was Eric Ainge. And then at that point, Kirby's job was done. He didn't have to manufacture anything. But this one is like Michael Jordan in the last dance level uh, yeah. finding things to take personally. And I'm impressed with it. I am, because I think it'll work. Uh, got I think to, Tonka though. Hemingway answered that question honestly, and you know, to that point in his career, maybe it was true. But I think that come 3.30 on Saturday, it's going to be another one of those packed houses where Georgia fans are kind of awakening from this UT Martin Ball State slumber. I can't wait to see it. I mean, th this is also not a great home schedule. And so this, this immediately becomes probably your second best home game of the season. And so I think fans will get excited about it because of that, because they understand, you know, that this is in terms of the, the games, the atmospheres that'll, you know, be, uh, you know, coming into Sanford this state, this season, this is probably up there um, in terms of, you know, the most exciting ones because of the opponents that are coming in. All right. Uh, Instead of opponents coming in, let's talk about some recruiting visitors coming in. Jake Roos, big, big list, and it just keeps getting bigger every day, man. Yeah, um, it really does, and it's really going to be, in my estimation, I think it's going to be the biggest uh, weekend of the year. Um, Ole Miss might rival it. They might have a chance, but you know, Jake Rowe and I were talking about this, and he made a great point. Georgia's got a good draw here, man. There's not a lot of other games that guys necessarily might go to. Um, you know, 
Tennessee, Florida, maybe um, you, you could get away with that one uh, pointing toward, but you know, you're not going up against Texas and Alabama is what I would say. And, and that's a, that's very advantageous uh, for Georgia and this visitor list. A lot of the usual suspects will be back through. Uh, Riola will be in town. A lot of the commits, Nate Frazier's coming into town. That means he's bringing Aiden Breland with him. And uh, Aiden Breland, five-star defensive lineman, just dropped his top three this evening. Uh, Georgia in the mix there. And I think this is a really good sign that they're there. Oh, and uh, this guy I didn't even mention. Uh, but immediately <laughs> his, his photo shows up. Because why wouldn't it? Uh, KJ Bolden back in town. Uh, yeah, that's a huge one, man. I mean, listen, uh, I, I dropped kind of our midweek uh, thoughts on what's going on this weekend. I'm not telling you that I think KJ Bolden's going to flip. I don't. Um, but Georgia's just going to have another chance to impress him. And Georgia hasn't given up there, and they're going to continue to push. So it's a good sign, no matter really how you slice it. Somebody said, suggested that he would come in and recruit for FSU. Everything I've ever known about K.J. Bolden would not really point toward that direction. I just don't think he's that kind of guy. I think he's a respectful kid. and I think he'll be there uh, on his own accord and having fun with a bunch of guys that he knows in this process. So, um, to me, what's also really uh, crazy about this list is the underclassmen. Uh, Zayden Walker, Amari Adams, uh, you've got uh, Zealus Hicks coming in, Tyler Atkinson, the 2026 guy, Aaron Gregory. Uh, a lot of underclassmen in this. And Georgia, there's some, there's a little bit of fruit left on the vine when it comes to 2024, but there ain't much, man. I mean, Breland, uh, McCray, maybe a safety prospect, maybe look toward another edge guy, a pass catcher. So you're talking about mm, five, six guys total, probably that they're chasing around. You go out and look at, uh, you know, these next classes, though, and Georgia's in good position for a lot of these guys. And has the opportunity to impress them this weekend. So, um, you know, I think the the dogs are in a really strong spot uh, when it comes to this visitor list. I think it's a who's who. And like I said, it has a real shot to be the biggest of the year. Um, I'd be kind of surprised if it wasn't. So, um, like you, uh, Dylan Brooks over here <laughs> getting real excited about Aiden Breland. And uh, <laughs> rightfully so, man. Um, I got to tell you, you know, that was one I thought LJ McCray was probably the guy that I would have penciled in um a couple or probably a month month and a half back i think the smoke around breland is really building quickly and um he's a guy that it would not shock me to see him in this class i'm not putting in the prediction just yet but i think that things are trending a lot harder georgia than they were before so i'm looking forward to that visit looking forward to what we hear after that visit especially because um <laughs> I think this will be a big impactful one for him and you got to think modern day does not have a lot of buys through uh this year so very fortuitous they get him on campus this weekend in this environment with these people i think that um this is all to george's benefit so, R- so- Ruth, i got a question for you on kj before we go all in on aiden breland here the fact that he's taking his auburn official visit and I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but it's for that Georgia game here in in a couple of weeks. What does that say to you about how open this recruitment still is? Obviously he's, he's taken his Georgia official. That's the only one that I think he's got left of the schools that, uh, you know, he kind of considered there as finalists, but what does that say to you about how open this recruitment is or isn't? I, I just, I hesitate to read too much into it. I mean, the kid's committed, man. He's like, he's taking an official visit while he's committed somewhere else. 
yeah, you, I can see what you're getting at. I mean, it's there's there's reason to scratch your head about it for sure. But simultaneously, man, I think KJ has been pretty clear in the the FSU stuff, man. So I, you know, he's gonna have a chance. Listen, nobody's telling him no. That's what I'll say at the end of the day, right? I mean, he's going to if he wants to come, he uh, he's gonna have that opportunity. I promise you, the 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 dogs or anybody else is not are not going to turn away KJ Bolton. I don't know that it's super what I would call open, but it's still interesting. And yeah. you know what I wrote today, and I think is the case, is that him coming to Athens this weekend means that Florida State at least has to just stay on guard. Um, that's the big thing for me is like, you got to keep them on guard uh, and let them know that they're just not walking away with this thing. I don't know that they land them or anything like that, but I think that, uh, and, and like I said, I probably wouldn't pick that today. It's not, there's no way to slice it in my mind. That's a bad sign for Georgia that he's coming back this weekend. Um, Christopher Black answering your question there in the comments, his dad, KJ's dad is not Anquan Bolden that played at Florida state um, wide receiver. That went on to no, that would be badass though. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, Anquan Bolden was incredible. Um, huge Anquan Bolden fan. Um, but no, you know, I mean, uh, KJ went with FSU, he grew up idolizing Dion, he uh, J- Jalen Ramsey. Um, he's been close with Mike Norvell for several years. I believe FSU was his first offer, if I'm not mistaken, and that was a while ago. So, you know, there's a lot of ties there and it wasn't a huge it wasn't a huge uh shock that they won out um we still thought it was going to be georgia but in the end that he would choose fsu it wasn't like travis hunter choosing jackson state you know it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't that level of surprise there will never be another one of those because uh travis hunter was the first one to do it and uh now you kind of have to expect everything with Dion or anybody um all right, so we got Breland covered there. And if you want to see the full list of visitors, you can check out dogshq.com. It is premium stuff. You can try us out for a dollar for one month and see what it's all about. And this is a great time to try it out because this kind of info heading into this kind of game weekend is about as big as it gets, guys. Um, speaking of Breland, let's dive in a little bit deeper and then uh, get to a couple big decommitments on the dog's radar before we take this thing home what will it take for the for for the dogs to not be breland's pick who are who are their biggest threats right now jake well he's down to three it's miami and oregon out there as well um i think with oregon you've got to fight the west coast i mean it's just the ability to stay close to home they've done a great job recruiting him dan lanning has really prioritized this kid and uh rightfully so man i mean this is a he's a difference maker for sure he's a rare guy in a frame um, and then Miami has seemingly kind of just been involved with everybody um, for uh, whatever reason you might choose. I know a lot of people would probably point to NIL as what's keeping them in the race for a lot of people. Um, but they showed some marked improvement against uh, Texas A&M. You know, guys know Cristobal from his time at Oregon. Um, so, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of familiarity there as well. So, um I think ultimately, I think ultimately Georgia just has to continue to pitch this kid because what I continue to see in his comments is the development aspect. Um, you know, to me, that's what it is. Um, I, I he talks about 
you know, Georgia and the success and, you know, being around guys who, you know, if you're around nine, uh, nine successful people, you'll be the 10th one. Um, you know, it's really, you know, there's some compelling stuff he's saying in Georgia's favor. And I think that it matters that he has a teammate committed. I don't think it's an ultimate decider, but I think that it gives him a level of familiarity of comfort with the dogs as well. So like I said, man, I don't know that I would go ahead and slam the pick today, but I'm probably not too far off, especially if coming off this weekend, we ex- we hear what I expect that we will, which is that I think things will probably go pretty well. They'll prioritize this kid very heavily, as they rightfully should. And I think Georgia could be, um, you know, in the catbird seat uh, by this time next week. Um, you know, that's a bit of a hot take from me, but I don't think I, everything I will is trending in the right direction in my eyes when it comes to Aiden Breland in Georgia. D-line you. Speaking of D-lineman, big one decommitted from the Florida Gators. Michael, is it Borio or Boro? Uh, I've heard several pronunciations. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Makai Burrow is what uh, Rusty said, so I'm just going to go with what Rusty said. All right, yeah. He's the guy in charge here, so if he's wrong, then that's I, that's I, how it sounds. I'm just that's marching orders is what I'm going by. So, um, but uh, yeah, that was a big decommitment. Um, you know, Georgia really likes that kid uh, and did going into his decision. It was a bit of a surprise that he chose Florida. Now he's backed off of that. Said so Georgia never stopped recruiting him, and oh yeah, now the dogs are number one. So he's visiting this weekend. You gotta assume that's in Georgia's favor as well. Again, it's like Breland, man. A rare frame on this guy. Big cat. Um, yeah, 6'5", 350. Jeremy said he's That's probably, all? He said he's probably carrying more like 360, 370-ish. Um, but, he, but, he looks, but he looks good carrying it. I mean, he, he's not, it's not sloppy weight. George will trim him up. But I think that, um, you know, the dogs would be a safe bet at this moment. Um, and it's like I say, man get as many of these guys in i don't care what you have to do figure out the spots let god sort them out when they get to athens because these people do not grow on trees my friends six foot five 350 is not walking around uh hardy's all the time all right these guys are freak athletes uh in the way they move and their size and i think that um you know burrow is one of those guys so i think it's um it you know all signs are pointing georgia right now I don't know if he's in any rush. It doesn't seem like that's the case, but some great stuff from Jeremy Johnson over at Dogs HQ. Go check all that out. Uh, he had a chance to catch up with the kid face-to-face over at Creekside, and um, his comments I thought were pretty telling. So, yeah. All right, and then finally, Jayla Matthews here, just decommitted from Penn State. If Kirby Smart flips another guy from James Franklin, he's probably going to have to hang it up. Oh. I mean, that's just abuse. James James Franklin is not sending a Christmas card to the Smarts this year. I promise. It's not. I mean, they. somebody asked, um, you know, what's going on with this? Like, is there some sort of vendetta? My theory on it is that Penn State's just really good, uh, has a really good eye for talent. They're good talent evaluators. I think Georgia respects it. And I also think that they feel comfortable moving in on their players. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's like, thanks for all the legwork for pointing us toward this guy. He's great. And uh, now we'll take him from you. Athens like or Happy Valley? Which one you want? Yeah. And, it, and it was Joshua Miller and Yazid Haynes, right? Were the yeah, two we're here. talking about. Yeah. Those are also two Northeast guys. I mean, Pennsylvania, 
uh, you know, for Haynes and, and Virginia. Haynes was from the state. I mean, and, <laughs> and, and Virginia for Josh Miller. So, you know, it makes sense that Penn State is is ahead of the game there in terms of recruiting sure. those guys. Um, sure. You know, just like Georgia is ahead of the game and getting in with a lot of the, you know, I, I'll say South Georgia guys because I think Metro Atlanta is just, you know, such a populated area that all these teams are getting in there with those guys early. But, you know, Georgia is evaluating, you know, Cedartown super well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, though, this kid, uh, you see he's from Palmer's uh, neck of the woods there, Tom's River. Um, but uh, now it's that NJ at the end, man. That's what matters in this recruitment is the New Jersey, right? Nair Daniels coming out of New Jersey this year. Jalen Matthews uh, in 2025 out of New Jersey. Who's from New Jersey? The guy that I talk about all the time, it's Fran Brown. Uh, and the guy's just doing work, man, just chopping it up. Get Jordan Thomas, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, out of Don Bosco. So get over to the uh, the dog walk. Uh, Matt Godwin was over there uh, dropping a little bit of knowledge and said, Fran's the best I've ever seen. That's, that's strong words, my wow. friend. He worked around some really good ones. Um, Fran's a machine, man. And Georgia getting up there and bringing guys like, uh, you know, uh, Jordan Thomas, uh, like Yazid Haynes, uh, Josh Miller, you know, those guys are impactful players. Nair Daniel is going to be a great one. If they're able to go up and get that kid, uh, this kid right here, that would be just another big feather in the cap. 6'6", 273, uh, number 83 in the nation, uh, a little higher on the on three rankings. Um, just I mean, it's, it's what you build them for, man. It's it's the kind of frame you're looking for all the time. Georgia would love to add this kid. Looks like they got a real shot to do it. Insane Big, that the number, boys. Go ahead, Palmer. Insane that the number 11 offensive tackle is the number 83 overall player in the country. Yeah, it's a deep class. And that's what's crazy, too, is Georgia is involved with the number one offensive tackle, David Sanders, the number two offensive tackle, who I believe is Josh Petty. Nope, Micah DeBoe, who's committed. Oh, who is committed. Uh, Petty's three? Uh, Petty's down to five. Oh Jesus! Okay, at least at least in the industry ranking. Okay, okay. Um, Pet, you're right. Petty is too, according to on three. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I knew he was up there somewhere. Um, so, yeah, Georgia heavily involved. Listen, I and you know we'll cage that by saying Micah Debose is from Alabama. Okay, I don't, I don't feel good about it. Right, I don't, I don't, I don't think. I just don't think they're going to be able to hold on to it. It's, it is what it is at this point. But I mean, look, you, you got the kid on there and. We'll see, man. Uh, you know, but this kid right now, uh, yeah, all signs pointing toward uh, Georgia for Jalen Matthews, and that would be huge. This Fran Brown pipeline just getting you some big, mean dudes out of New Jersey, New York. I mean, that I know they're not from the South, but they come down here and they know how to eat. They figure out how to eat down here in Georgia. And they just got that mean streak, man. I don't know what it is. That, I almost that said, Yankee I almost mean said streak. Corn, they got that almost, dog in them. I almost said corn fed, but I, I don't think that people in New Jersey eat a lot of corn. Maybe they're like pasta fed or something. Yeah, no, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gabagool just, fed. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right, let's wrap this thing up. Chop some wood. I'm going to chop some wood about this South Carolina game. Go back to where the juice is here, guys. It wasn't that long ago. This team, this program came in and won between the hedges. The last team to do it. And Will Muschamp was the guy over there. Brian McClendon was on the staff. 
Kirby said he doesn't want to give them the satisfaction of uh, letting them know that they did that, but they know, and I think they're sharing that message with the team this week, that this is the SEC. Uh, Talk about the crowd noise all you want to. This shouldn't just be a game where you have to be asked to make crowd noise uh, because it's fun. You need it because it's an SEC opponent. Don't forget that. Every team is dangerous. Uh, Just ask Alabama about uh, South Carolina knocking you off when you're number one. Um, Just ask these teams. Ask Georgia last year who almost lost at Mizzou. You can't give up the home turf. And uh, South Carolina has been known to do it. They've been known to do it historically, too. They can be really annoying. And I don't know if they'll be annoying enough, but you can't let them hang around. So I'm chopping wood about that. At at least we don't have the annoying chicken uh, sound every first down. I remember remember it. I agree that 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 thing sucks. Okay. But we can't, but we can, I will say personally, I think Sandstorm is a cool tradition. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. Cool. It's neat. No, there's definitely a, you know, you can tip your hat hat to cool traditions around the country. And that's, that's definitely one of them. But the, uh, the The chicken, the screeching shout of the chicken. Y'all warned me about it last year before my first trip to Columbia and and y'all were right. Um, anyway, I will chop wood about Georgia's defensive line um, and, and the opportunity that awaits them this week. Um, you know, Kirby talked about it after after last game against Ball State and was asked, you know, hey, how, how would you assess the play of the defensive line here so far this season? And he said, you know, quite frankly, I don't think that we're stopping the run at an SEC upper echelon defense level yet. That's the standard at Georgia. And you know, that, that because they have been playing against teams that, you know, per, can't match up to them size-wise on, on in the trenches, they've been able to do it, you know, well enough. But in terms of just, you know, what he wants to see, he hasn't seen enough to feel comfortable that this defensive line is up there. This offensive line from South Carolina is not good, guys. They are, you know, gave up 16 tackles for loss against North Carolina in the opener, nine sacks. UNC had, I think, 17 sacks all of last season. Um, so to give up nine in that first game, um, you know, it, it says a lot about this South Carolina offensive line. They lost their left tackle in spring practice. They lost their right tackle in that opener. Big, big, big opportunity for this defense, for, for this Georgia defensive line to step up, stop the run. You know, obviously that, that that's going to put a lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler, and that's probably what South Carolina wants. But I think that there's also an opportunity for them to get home and, and help that secondary out uh, with with some sacks of their own. So chopping wood about the Georgia defensive line. Like get right game. Uh, I'm going to chop wood about uh, Jake Rowe coming out here and trolling us. Uh, I don't appreciate it. I don't like it. Um, no, uh, I'm just chopping wood over – Georgia making the most of its opportunities. Um, listen, South Carolina is what it is. And I, I think that people, the, the line says what people expect to happen, right? I mean, it's a, a four score line. Um, but Georgia is finding a way, uh, like you said, Wes, to motivate this team off of commentary, to bring the fans out, to get a great visitor list this weekend. They're maximizing what they've got. It's not a sexy schedule this year. The home schedule stinks uh, to some degree. They're making the most of it. And I think that uh, that's to be commended to some degree. I think that they are 
maximizing what they've got to work with. And so, you know, you go all out on a weekend like this where you don't necessarily have that marquee out-of-conference game to kind of hang your hat on. You're not bringing over an LSU or an Alabama this year. So, hey, look, bring in a rival, uh, you know, that – well, uh, depends on who you ask if if South Carolina's a rival, (laughs) I guess. But, you know, it's – with the divisions changing up, uh, I think South Carolina is one of those schools that's not – Set not, on, anymore. not on the set. schedule for 24. Right. So, so kind of blow it out, man. It's maybe your last chance to be on CBS at, in Athens. Um, so you've got the 330 game at home. Maximizing opportunities. That's what I'm chopping wood about. Uh, you don't expect anything less from the dogs uh, in that regard. Kirby Smart and company know how to do that, but uh, they're certainly putting that on full display going into this weekend. Dylan Brooks predicts a Abe Lincoln game. George is going to beat them boys by four score and seven years. I don't know how they do that, but can see four scores for sure. Y'all hit like and subscribe on this show, on this channel. We'll be back right after the Georgia-South Carolina game wraps up Saturday evening to break it down right away. And right before the game, uh, tune in over here, 8 a.m. We'll have a pregame show just to get you primed for kickoff. And then on Sunday night, the Georgia show returns 8.30 p.m. before Bark After Dark Every Monday at 9. A full slate of programming, man. We're building this thing up and uh, keeping y'all saturated on the dogs right here on YouTube and on all the podcast platforms as well. And if you need a little bit more, which you probably do, dogshq.com. $1 for one month if you're not already a premium member. If you are, we'll see you there tonight over on the message board. Y'all have a great night. Enjoy that 3.30 kick. Pace yourselves. Hydrate. All that good stuff. We'll see you back here Saturday morning. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call one 800 
877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.